On the morning of May 19, 1536, the second wife of King Henry VIII, Queen Anne Boleyn, was executed at the Tower of London. She was accused of adultery, incest, and plotting to kill the king. She, along with five other men who were accused with her of these crimes, were all arrested, tried, sentenced, and executed all in the matter of weeks. So what exactly happened? when she was arrested up until the time that she was executed. Well, let's find out. Hi, my name is Elisa, and I want to say thank you so much for joining me on More Books, Please podcast. And as you heard in the intro, we are going to be talking about um, one of my favorite times in history, and it's uh, Tudor history. Um, I love to read about Henry VIII and his six wives, and uh, specifically um, his second wife, uh, Queen Anne Boleyn. Now, I know a lot of us are probably familiar with um, this rhyme that uh, kind of, you know, talks about each wife and how their uh, marriage ended, basically. Um, his first, you know, the rhyme goes like this, um, divorce, beheaded, died, divorce, beheaded, survived. And of course, Anne being the second wife, she was um, the first wife of his to be beheaded. How I got interested in... Um, Anne Boleyn was actually, like through most of us, was through a television show. Um, it was called The Tudors, starred Jonathan Rhys Myers. He played uh, King Henry VIII. Um, it also had Henry Cavill. Um, I think we're all familiar with him. He played, um, well, he plays uh, Superman in The Witcher. So um, he was actually on that show, and he played uh, King Henry's one-time brother-in-law, Charles Brandon, and best friend. And also it has a beautiful actress by the name of Natalie Dormer. She's the one who played Anne Boleyn. And by all accounts and everything I've ever seen, she's probably the best had the best portrayal of Anne Boleyn. And um, the show was fantastic. The production, the way it was written, it, it, it was just a really great show. But from there on, you know, I really became interested in Anne Boleyn and Tudor history. And the show was more than 10 years ago, I think. But um, as you know, later on, I went ahead and of course wanted to research more about her because I, th I thought her life and her death was quite fascinating. And there were details in the show that I didn't know, you know, I never heard of or I wasn't familiar with. And I wanted to see what was true, what was not. So um, when I was researching, I came across a website. <clears throat> it's called The Ambulant Files. And it's ran by historian and author Claire Ridgway. She uh, writes um, several books uh, pertaining to Anne Boleyn, her family, uh, the Tudor dynasty, just everything. And she spent probably more than 20 years um, of researching this information. So everything on her website, and she also has a YouTube channel um, with the same name, The Anne Boleyn Files. Um, she spent several years, you know, researching documents, you know, official documents, uh, uh, letters, um, record things that were recorded, and um, you know, eyewitness accounts of those time periods, which really gives a detail, you know, of exactly the time the, the from the time she was arrested to the time she was uh, put to death, exactly what happened, and you know, and she in the book that I'm going to refer that I think everybody if you're interested in learning more about what happened in those days um it's called uh, the fall of anne boleyn a countdown now that gives a daily countdown from the time 
that she's arrested, I believe it's on May 2nd, and her execution um, on May 19th. And this year, 2021, actually marks the 485th anniversary of Queen Anne Boleyn's death. And um, so I just kind of felt like this was a good time for me to talk about these books because I really do enjoy you know, reading, learning, and watching anything to do with Anne Boleyn and the Tudor dynasty, because I just think it's fascinating. And so many people that were involved, you know, during that time or were you know, in court, and you know, it just seems like a cast of characters, really. And it's hard to believe that these people actually did exist, and, and it's quite fascinating. Well, let me give you a little bit of background about um, Anne Boleyn. She, uh, it's not really sure exactly when she was born, but they believe she was born about 1501. She um, had a, her former, she was, well, she was quite educated, actually, for, you know, she comes from a noble family, and um, she spent most of her formal years uh, learning abroad. She was a part of, she worked for the, uh, I think it was the Queen of Brussels and, and uh, um, Austria right now. Or it's called was called Austria, but now it's Brussels, and then of course uh, for uh, King Francis the wife. So she was in France for many years. I think about like seven years there, and um, there you know she became quite educated and and everything. So when she came to court in fifteen twenty six, um, you know Henry the Eighth, of course, uh, had married his first wife, uh, Queen Catherine of Aragon, uh, in fifteen oh nine. So, you know, they had been married all those years. I think it was, what, like 17 years, and it's 1526. And at the time, you know, they only had one child, and it was a daughter. But, you know, King Henry, you know, he wanted a son. And um, his wife, who was actually five years older than him at this time, you know, was no longer able to have children. So, you know, he did desire a child, in which he did actually have an illegitimate son, that he was raising, uh, that he formally um, ex- acknowledged and had given him titles and dukedom and everything. And um, but he needed, uh, he really needed to have a legitimate son. And at this time, his wife, unfortunately, was not able to give, was not going to be able to give him one anymore. She had been pregnant several times. They had, you know, stillbirths. I think their first son, the eldest child, was a boy. He only lived like a month and a half, and he died unexpectedly, so, you know, there was just tragedy after tragedy, and they only had one daughter that had lived, and um, that was the Princess Mary. So here we are, fast forward to 1526, you know, he's had mistresses and all that, so she, Anne Boleyn, comes to court. Now, what sets her apart, probably from all the other women at court, you know, she's, obviously she's, she's different, she's got a charm and a personality that... Um, a lot of women back then did not have. Um, she was, you know, very educated for a noble woman. Uh, most women were not as educated as the men. Um, she spoke French. She, you know, was fluent in French. She can write French. She can recite poetry. She knew, very educated. She knew a lot about religion, theology, politics. Um, she was witty, charming. She could dance and one of the things that actually um, set her apart from everybody else also was that, you know, she dressed in the French fashion. You know, she uh, was said that if nobody knew that, that, you know, she was English, everybody would think she was French, you know, because 
she loved the French culture so much. So, you know, she attracted several men during that time. And, um, of course, he eventually attracted the King of England, King Henry. And, of course, he pursued her, you know, uh, and she so famously, you know, kind of rejected, you know, him at first because uh, he, of course, wanted her to be his mistress. And she was not... Um, she said, no, you know, I'm, if you're going to come for me with a proposal, you know, for an, an offer to court me or you want to court me, you know, it's, it's going to have come with an offer of marriage. I'm not going to settle for just being a mistress, not even you, the king of England's mistress. So <clears throat> that's kind of how everything started. And they spent several years, um, you know, trying to be together because, you know, he was already married, of course, and he spent seven years trying to find a way to annul and divorce his marriage from Catherine of Aragon. But the Catholic Church would constantly deny his request for a divorce. And so at this time in England, it was a time where it was a religious reformation going on. And what that is, is that many people were um, upset with the Catholic Church and they no longer felt that you know, they, they didn't want to be a part of the Catholic Church anymore. One of the big issues was um, the Catholic Church, you know, the Bible was in, in Latin, and not everybody read Latin. I mean, you had to learn. Unless you were really rich or royalty, you would be able to learn how to read Latin and understand it. So they were being told everything in interpretation from the Catholic Church. So they felt that they wanted to have the Bible in English so that they can read it on their own. And um, so that was kind of spreading through Europe and it was really spreading quite a bit in England during that time. But, you know, King Henry VIII was a staunch Catholic. And so at first he was against um, this Reformation. He said there were heretics. You know, he was not, his country was Catholic and, you know, he'd gotten a title from Rome called Defender of the Faith. Basically, he was, you know, defending the Catholic Church, and he was so proud of that. But here's where things kind of changed, because since the Catholic Church wouldn't give him what he wanted, after seven years of trying, he decided he was going to break from the Catholic Church and make himself head of the Church of England and begin a new basically a new religion, a reformation. And Anne Boleyn and her family, the, the Boleyns, were you know, a very ambitious family, like probably most families were, but they were also reformers. So they believed in the new, new religion and they were really set on you know, getting rid of Catholicism and changing over to you know, the new Protestant way. Well, since the Catholic Church wasn't giving him what he wanted and everybody was headed in a new direction, he pulled away from the Catholic Church and uh, found a way to divorce his first wife. Now, she had given him a lot of hell <laughs> during that time. You know, she was not about to um, release her position as queen. I mean, she is the daughter of Isabel, Isabella of Spain and... Ferdinand of Aragon, I mean, she comes from a long line of royalty. So she's not going to be easily put aside. But, you know, Henry was the king of England, and pretty much he had full control of everything. The political, the kingdom, the monarch, now the religion. 
So he found a way and people that would support him and he divorced uh, Catherine of Aragon in uh, 1533. And at this time, you know, it was kind of uh, assumed that uh, Henry and Anne had just, you know, barely consummated their relationship and she was pregnant at the beginning of the year in January. And it was supposedly that they had married in January and she was already pregnant. So um, nine months later, or in September, uh, 1533, um, she finally gives birth. You know, they got married. She finally gives birth. Catherine of Aragon has been ousted. She's, you know, from, she's no longer allowed in the palace. Um, she's a new queen. She gives birth. But the long-awaited child that Henry was so desiring male son ended up being a girl, a baby girl. And it was, uh, her name was Elizabeth. After all this time they waited, she finally, you know, got pregnant right away. She was pregnant, you know, quite quickly after they, you know, consummated their relationship. So the daughter, let's try again. Well, apparently they tried about three more times she was able to get pregnant. And uh, out of those three times, she miscarried all of the children. And her final child um, that she was pregnant with, um, she miscarried. Um, and it was believed that the child was a boy. They said she was about four months pregnant at that point. But the eerie thing is when she uh, miscarried the last child that she got pregnant with, um, Catherine of Aragon had actually died, um, I think January, early January, and um, her actual funeral was held on, I think, January 28th or something. And that day of Catherine of Aragon's funeral was the day that she actually miscarried the baby boy. So I guess at this point, you know... She wasn't, you know, things just started kind of going downward, you know. She wasn't the favorite anymore, and she began to uh, argue a lot with Thomas Cromwell. Now, he is basically the right-hand man, and he's a secretary uh, for the king, and basically he's kind of like the fixer. So whatever the king wants or whatever the king needs to get done, he relies on this man to do it. So he's basically the second most powerful man in England. Probably somebody you don't want to cross. But, you know, Queen Anne, she was outspoken. She knew a lot about politics. She questioned this man and his, you know, ethics or whatever. And eh, I don't think that really did well for her because at one point they were allies and then suddenly she was questioning him how he ran the kingdom for the king. Was it really his ideas, not the king's ideas? Was he, you know, putting ideas in, into the king's head? And that probably wasn't a smart thing to do because the king was like, okay, she's interfering in, you know, more than what she needs to be. You know, she needs to be just not focused on that. You know, that's my job. But, uh, you know, Queen Anne was a smart lady and, you know, she wasn't going to hold her tongue to anybody. Sometime in March is when he actually meets um, his soon-to-be third wife. <clears throat> Her name is Jane Seymour. And uh, so the king is, you know, slowly losing interest in his wife, Anne Boleyn. And, but what's sudden and still debatable by many historians is how did she get arrested? Because it just, everything just happened so swiftly, so fast. Her downfall... You know, the men that were accused with her, how and why, you know, 
so many questions, but everything happened so quickly. It was like he just wanted to get rid of her as quickly as he can and marry the next, you know, his next love interest was Jane Seymour. And so that is where I think um, a lot of the interest comes, you know, how swiftly and everything kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere, really. And so, you know, something that no one knows, was this the king idea, the king's idea, or was it Thomas Cromwell, his secretary's idea? A lot of people really... <clears throat> didn't know. Um, if you're really interested in knowing the books that I really think you should read from Claire Ridgeway is um, The Fall of Anne Boleyn, A Countdown. Now again, I mentioned that this is the book that uh, gives a daily countdown of everything, all the details of what happened leading, you know, from her arrest leading up to her death. And um, he, she's got several other books about, um, let's see, uh, about uh, Anne Boleyn, it's called the Am- the Anne Boleyn Collection. I think she's got volume one, two, and then you know she also writes about the other queens and other, you know, other people that were you know prominent during that time of Tudor history. And then she also has um, this day in Tudor history. <clears throat> so every day there's you know specific um, events that she will chronicle, like this day happened, this you know. And it's not just about Anne Boleyn, it's about the whole entire Tudor dynasty, I think, dealing with King Henry VII all the way through um, Elizabeth I, you know. So um, it's quite fascinating, a lot of great detail, and I really think um, if you're interested in learning any and everything about it, definitely check out the website. Again, it's the Anne Boleyn Files. Get all her books, because they're great reads, and... Um, she also has another book that I really enjoyed, and it's on her brother George Boleyn. Now, he was her brother that was accused with her of incest, and there's not a lot known about him that I've read about him, but the book is pretty fascinating because it really details, you know, he was a poet, you know, he was a politician, he was an ambassador, I believe. You know, he held a lot of, um, you know, high positions in the court for Henry, and uh, he was actually one of his good friends prior to him, you know, marrying his sister, the king marrying his sister. So, you know, there's a lot that, you know, he's just as fascinating, just a smart, witty, charming, apparently had a lot of women, you know, um, and, but he was married too. But uh, that's just, it has really great personality. So it was really, he's just as fascinating as his sister, but obviously a lot of people don't, don't know him as well. You know, a lot of people don't, are not quite familiar with him. Because, you know, all the focus, of course, is on his sister Anne. So, I mean, it's all about that. So, again, pick up those books. Check out the website. Check out the YouTube channel. And there's also a podcast called um, On the Tudor Trail. I don't remember who's actually um, the one who runs that podcast. But that's another great uh, podcast with a lot of historical facts about all that time period. And all the game players, basically. So, Lots of great information. So there you have it. Those are the books that I think you should read in the websites and everything. If you want to learn a lot about Tudor history, those are some really great places to start. Well, since we're on the subject of Tudor history, I thought maybe I would go ahead and give some uh, little known f- unknown facts about Tudor history. And I think one of the most myths about Anne Boleyn and I'm sure everybody would agree that it was believed that she had um, 11 fingers in one hand she had an extra finger she had six fingers on one hand 
Well, and then she also had, you know, warts and she was considered like a witch, you know. But, you know, those rumors didn't come until way after she had died. And while she was alive, there was never any anything written about her appearance that had to do with her, you know, with warts and she was a witch and uh, she had an extra finger, you know, none of that. All that was just rumors that were told by a gentleman, I believe, who didn't like the Boleyn family. And this is like years later. I don't think he ever met Anne Boleyn, but he spread those rumors and apparently those rumors stuck. It wasn't until um, Queen Victoria's reign where they were doing some uh, construction work, uh, restoring the church, there's a chapel in the Tower of London, where um, Anne Boleyn was uh, buried. And through the records, um, they, the part of that they were having to repair, um, they found her coffin, basically, her skeletal remains. And um, they did examine them, and they did determine that it was um, Anne Boleyn, based on the location of where she was at. And I think they found his other, King Henry's other wife, Catherine Howard, which is actually her first cousin. So I think they were able to identify, you know, based on the records that they had. And um, they did notice there was no documentation of anything of a extra finger. So that was definitely something that was, um, I can kind of say it was a myth. And it was debunked. So, also, there was something, uh, I think, uh, about Henry VIII. Now, in the show, The Tudors, he's, you know, shown in his younger years and that he was actually quite handsome, you know. But, of course, we're all so used to seeing him as being this, you know, overweight man. But apparently, he really actually was a very handsome, athletic man. Um, when his youth, he stood, you know, six foot one, which was actually considered kind of tall for men at that time period. Um, he was very athletic. He had an athletic build. Um, he, he was a you know, really great horse rider. He loved to hunt. He you know, played tennis. You know, he, was, he did jousting. I mean, and so he was you know, somebody who was very much in shape most of his, you know, up until probably until his mid to late, thir- late, late 30s maybe. I think it wasn't until like his 40s that he actually um, had, you know, issues with uh, his weight and, and because of several injuries and actually a head injury as well and another injury on his leg or that would never heal. And um, this is what caused him, you know, to put on a lot of weight and, of course, you know, heavy eating and drinking. And so that's probably what led to his demise. Henry was always this fat. <laughs> I hate to say it, but overweight, unattractive king wasn't actually actually true. It, he was actually considered a, one of the most handsome men in or handsome king in Europe at that time. So, and also another fun fact is about their daughter, Queen um, Elizabeth I. She, of course, is the daughter of Anne Boleyn and the daughter of King Henry VIII. Um, right after uh, Anne Boleyn was executed, I think it was like two months later, his illegitimate son, who was about 18 years old, had died suddenly, I believe, of tuberculosis. The following year, his actual son, his legitimate son, Edward, who becomes Edward VI, um, he was born. So when Henry died, he was about nine years old. So um, he became king, you know, one of the youngest kings in, in history. Um, but he only lived till he was 16. 
So he didn't really, you know, he never got married, never or didn't father any children and got married or father any children. He was kind of young. And, um, of course, his other daughter took over, Mary I, but she only reigned for like five years before she died. And she had a tumultuous reign, and um, she was actually known as Bloody Mary because she was trying to bring Catholicism back to England, and she was, you know, burning people at the stake who were she considered to be heretics. So, yeah. So the only child he had left was Elizabeth, and she took over at the age of 25. She became Queen Elizabeth I, and um, she actually ended up being probably the heir that King Henry wanted, but yet she was in the form of a woman, not a man. And she proved that a woman could be just as good as, as a ruler as a man. And she ended up having a very long, you know, reign, very successful reign. She beat, um, or she defeated the Spanish Armada. Um, she brought peace uh, during her time as queen and definitely was able to stabilize the, you know, the religious issues that were going on in her country. Um, so with all that, you know, it led to the flourishing of, you know, artists and writers, you know, like Shakespeare and her time was known as the Golden Age. Well, she was also known as a virgin queen because she never got married. So when her death came that, uh, at the, you know, when she died, it was basically the end of the Tudor dynasty that her father so long wanted to continue but you know his son had he died and then his son died and you know there were none of his other children ever had any children so the Tudor dynasty ended with her which is kind of ironic because you know her father just basically beheaded her mother partly because she didn't give him the son that he wanted because he wanted to extend it Yet she was the last one to survive of all of them, and she decides never to marry or have children, and decides I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna end the Tudor, <laughs> Tudor dynasty, and she did. So you know, may or may not be what she was thinking, but you know, that's just kind of my opinion. But what's interesting is that she actually had a ring. It was called the Checkers Ring. I believe it was a ring that was uh, made from mother of pearl, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, upon her death, they had removed the ring from her finger. So when you opened it, um, it was like a locket. Sorry, it was like a locket. So when you opened it, it had uh, two portraits in there. And one portrait was obviously her. And then at the top, it was another portrait of a woman that looked very much like Anne Boleyn, her mother. So I think that was her way of secretly, um, you know, holding her mother close to her, you know, because she was about almost three years old when her mother died, so she never really knew her. So um, I didn't know about that until a few years ago, and I thought that was something that was quite, quite interesting, and I think a lot of people would find that interesting as well. So definitely check those out. You can definitely look, look those up. So there's just, just some interesting facts that I wanted to give you about um, some of the tutors during that time period, and um, there you go. Again, her name is Claire Ridgway, the author and historian, and The Fall of Anne Boleyn, I think, is an excellent book you should read. Definitely read George Boleyn and all, um, just all of her books, because honestly, they're all just quite fascinating, and um, that is it. I just wanted to get back on here. I know it's been a while. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to stick to a more um, 
uh, schedule, <laughs> but you know, things happen, life happens. And, but uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed the information, a bit of history, and if you found it interesting, I hope that you go out and check everything and definitely the podcast as well called On the Tudor Trail. It's another uh, podcast from another uh, historian, so it's really good as well. Uh, but again, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I hope wherever you are, you're having a great day. Until next time, take care. Bye.